0: It's good to see everyone this morning. We appreciate visitors coming our way and and worshiping with us here on this first day of the week. We have many of our number who are, are traveling and sadly we have a few that are, are sick and unable to be with us, but we're always glad to, to see those who are able to be here and we're very thankful for our visitors who come our way. It is our intention and our duty as children of God to Worship Him in the way that He has prescribed and the way that we see that written out for us in the New Testament. So that is our, our aim and our goal to worship our God on this first day of the week. This morning, I want to talk about humility. Humility is essential in the life of a Christian. We're going to make reference of this several times this morning, but we spoke about it in our Bible class this morning. As Peter is writing to strengthen the brethren, he tells them in 1 Peter 5 about the importance of clothing yourself with humility, giving preference to one another, as Paul puts it in Romans. The idea is that we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves. Rather, we need to be humble. We need to be in all humility towards each other. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted, our Lord says there in Matthew 23 and verse 12. See, the idea is that we, we need to put ourselves in a lowly place, and in so doing, God will exalt us. So humility is essential. In James chapter 4 and verse 30, James writes, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. That sounds like what Jesus said, didn't it? Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 is what we mentioned here in our Bible class this morning. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. There it is again. We make ourselves low so that God will make ourselves high. And in 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, Brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. You see, our interactions with each other need to be in all humility. And in so doing, God will exalt us. So we have very clear from Scripture what it is that we need to do. And if we want to serve God, then we have to be humble. We have these and other passages that tell us so. We have those commands that tell us to do so, but we also have the greatest example to show us what it means to be humble, to show us what a life of humility looks like, to show us how someone who, beyond all measure, was worthy of being exalted, he humbled himself. And that, of course, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, we want to look at the humility of Jesus. And what I've done is pulled together some some passages here and and look at the different ways in which he was humble. And you'll see what I mean as we go through. But, But keep in mind, as we go through these things, who this man is that we're talking about. This is the Son of God. This is the one the Old Testament writers... Were prophesying of. This is the one that was promised all the way back there in Genesis, when Adam and Eve had their downfall in the garden, and God spoke about the curse that was on the serpent and how he would bruise him on the head, but he would bruise him on the heel. there's a, 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 a foreshadowing there, a reference to the coming Christ that would put down the devil. It's so all the way back there. In the early part of Genesis, we see that the coming Messiah would be that one who would come and take away sin. So keep that in mind, who this is, as we go through and talk about some things. Let's first consider this, that Jesus had a very humble birth. I think we all could probably quote a lot of this scripture about the Lord's birth. We especially hear about it during Christmas time, when the world celebrates the birth of the Lord. Of course, we, we read about the birth of the Lord in Scripture, but we don't, we don't see prescribed a celebration of the birth of the Lord. But we do see that he, he indeed uh, was, had a very humble birth. In Luke chapter 2, and verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, speaking of Mary there, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We know the story all too well about Mary and Joseph and and when her time came, when she was with child, through the Holy Spirit, when her time came, there was no place for them. So our Lord was born in a stable. How, more, how much more a humble birth could there be? This is the Son of God. Not born in a palace, not born at the feet of uh, the midwives and, and all the others that would be attending His mother, but rather a very humble birth. Our Lord had a very humble appearance. In his prophesying, Isaiah spoke about the appearance of our Lord. He says, he shall grow up, Isaiah 53 and verse 2, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. What does that tell us about our Lord? He was a man. He was a man like any of us men are. He was a human like any of us humans were. He had no appearance that would cause the world to say because of his appearance, he is the king, he is the son of God. No, he looked like his brethren. He looked like a man among men. So he was very humble because of his appearance. Not placed on a pedestal, not paraded around. Simple man amongst men. He had a very simple upbringing. In John chapter one, as John is recording uh, the calling of of Jesus's first disciples, those that would become his apostles, uh, he in verse forty six here, Nathaniel said to him, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" This is after Philip going to to Nathan or Nathaniel and saying, "We found the Christ. He's from Nazareth," and and and. Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. So he had a very humble upbringing. His father was a carpenter. Joseph was his earthly father. Joseph was a carpenter and he grew up under that tutelage. And so there wasn't anything about him that would would speak to the world and say, because of his upbringing, because of um, his life as a child, he is the uh, the son of God. No, he had a very humble upbringing. As a man, as a Jew. His family was very humble. His family wasn't nobility. He didn't come from the, he did come from the line of David, understand that. But his his, his earthly family wasn't living in the palaces. It wasn't living a royal life. They were just simply living as uh, as children of, uh, of uh, Of God in Jerusalem and about there out in Nazareth, is this not the carpenter 's son, the, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and not his, our sisters uh, here with us, and they were offended at him. It was a simple family, so when they think about this being the the, the son of God what isn't this just the son of Mary? He had very humble wealth, very humble means. As our Lord is, is in his ministry, and he's going about from place to place, he, he makes this statement as Matthew records in chapter 8, verse 20. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. During that three-something years of his ministry, he was going from place to place, from town to town, and he says, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. His ministry was about reaching people, about being in amongst people, and that's what was important. He didn't have uh, a, the wealth to go around and, 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 and be uh, the most luxurious accommodations, no, He simply went around and preached to the people and taught them. And at night when they got tired, they would lay down and sleep. Very humble. He had a humble scholarship. I kind of hesitate to to say that one because uh, he is the word of God. That's a pretty um, impressive scholarship. But in, in, in earthly terms... In John 7 and verse 15, and, Jesus, and the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? He didn't have to study. He was the Word of God. But in the, in, the, in the eyes of the world, they put their faith and their confidence in the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who knew Scripture and those whose job it was to, to write it down. The scribes, that's what they did. And the Pharisees, they were the ones who, who knew the letter of the law. And they're saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied? You see, he didn't fit the pattern of what uh, a, a, a scholar would be in those times. But he knew the word, didn't he? He knew the word because he was the word. John tells us that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. He goes on to say, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's his scholarship. But in the eyes of the world, he didn't have that. He, he, was, he was humble in that. He was a humble in his association. The Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them, as Luke records there, Luke chapter 15 and verse 2. You see, it wasn't right for Jews to associate with non Jews, and especially sinners tax collectors, all those that they looked so far down upon. That's who Jesus spent his time with. So the Lord wasn't ashamed to to spend time with them, to, to tell them because they needed to hear what he had to say. And so does this world. This world needs to hear what Jesus has to say. This is a sick, dying world. It has been for a very long time. Some say we're at the end of times and the the end of the world is near. It's been bad for a long time, brethren. It's going to be bad until he does indeed come again. But in the meantime, we have a responsibility to tell the world about him. Continue to tell the world about the great physician. Those who need the healing need to hear what Jesus has to say. And amongst this, we see that our Lord had a very humble status. We read there from Philippians chapter 2 about how Jesus emptied himself. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, from Philippians 2 beginning in verse 5, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality, of, uh, equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. It's hard to pinpoint one of these things and say which is the most humble act of our Lord. But I think this has to rank pretty high up there of what he did. emptied himself, left heaven, came to earth to be a bondservant. To be found in the likeness of men. As we mentioned, he was a man. hundred percent. Looked like all the other men around him. But Where did he come from? Paul tells us here in Philippians, he emptied himself, left heaven, came to earth. That's an act of humility. And he did that to be pleasing to God, to be pleasing to his Father, and to save mankind from their sins. That's what it took. And Jesus was humble enough to do that. He was humble in his occupation in the world. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his ransom, give His life a ransom for many. many. Matthew 20 and verse 28. He didn't come to, uh, to be served. He didn't, as we mentioned, didn't come to live in the lap of luxury. He didn't come to, to, for that. He came to serve. We see it in his ministry. We see it as he's feeding those who are hungry, as he's healing those who are sick. And at the very end of his life, how he, he stoops down and washes his apostles' feet. That's an act of humility. That's an act of, of service. Of showing that even the Son of God is not above serving his brethren. Very humble in his life, in his occupation. He was very humble in his resolution. For a long time, all his life, Jesus knew what the end of his life would be. He knew that he had to go to Jerusalem to stand in front of a mock trial to answer accusations that were false, And to be sentenced to death at the hands of men. He knew that. He knew he faced that. But he was humble in his resolution in Matthew 26, verse 39. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He's speaking of that as he's praying there in the garden. If possible, let this pass from me. Let this this fate which is ahead of me pass from me. But look what he says next. Not as I will but as you will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He was humble in his resolution and saying, I, I always think about it in, this, in these terms, the human side of him realized the terrible death he was about to face. He's going to be scourged first. Many people didn't survive a scourging. It was so terrible, so physically damaging to the body. Many of them died after that. And then after that, he's going to be hung on a cross to suffocate. The human side of him says, Lord, let this, let this pass from me. The spiritual side says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If it's possible, Father, let this be, not be done to me, but your will be done, nevertheless. He's very humble in the resolution that he faced his own death. A couple of things here as as we close. Jesus calls us in, in humility. Humility is such a, uh, such a part of him and such a part of his ministry that his call to us is in, is in humility. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We, sometimes I think, especially in the religious world and those who look from the outside in the religious world think it's very difficult to be a Christian. You have to give up so much in the world. You may have to give up your wealth. You may have to give up your prestige. You may have to give up friends and family. Jesus says... My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't ask a lot of us. He asks for our obedience to him. He asks for us to put him first in all things. That's it. And in so doing, all these other things will take care of themselves. If it's something that stands between us and serving God, then that needs to be removed. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Have we proved through just a few scriptures here that that is indeed true? He is gentle and humble in heart. And he calls us as such. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know what the yoke is, is that thing they put over the the back of the animal. And you yoke them together. Lots of times it was ox or donkeys or whatever it might be. They put that big beam across them and yoke them together. Jesus is saying, that yoke is, is easy. And then they would put those animals to work, burden them with what they had to do, the plowing of the fields. And Jesus is saying, my burden is light. He's not asking, he's not putting on us a heavy yoke and a thousand acres to plow. if We might use that analogy. He's saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I, He doesn't ask a lot of us to put him first in all things and to humbly serve him as he humbly served others. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. I hope we take away several things from this lesson, but I hope that we can take this away as our last thought. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. See, it's our job to lower ourselves. It's our job not to think too highly of ourselves. It's our job to give preference to one another. And in so doing, God will exalt us. Think about how this applies to Jesus. Did he humble himself in the presence of the Lord? Absolutely he did. He humbled himself to the, to the point of death on a cross. And what did God do? He exalted him. As Peter says there in Acts chapter 2, in that on the day of Pentecost, when he stands up to to tell about this Lord, about the Messiah that has been slain, he says that God has raised him up and set him at his right hand. God had exalted him. that's what he'll do for us. If we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. So I challenge you to Live a life of humility, to give preference to one another, and to use our Lord as the ultimate example of how He did that. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to render obedience, to show what it means to be humble, to submit to the will of God, to understand that He is indeed, Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, and to believe in that message. And to realize that there are changes in your life that you need to make. Upon that and upon confessing that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, you're a candidate for baptism. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 says, It's not the washing away of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. Baptism is the culmination of the obedience that we show to God hearing and believing and and repenting and confessing, it culminates in baptism. And then we come up out of those waters a new creature to walk in newness of life, having washed away our sins. And then as a child of God, it's our responsibility to remain faithful to Him, to walk in humility, to remain, remain faithful, and to carry out the will for us that God has. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become one. And if as a child of God you're not living in all humility, I would encourage you to make that right as well. Whatever you, your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.